a lot, isn't it? Hello, welcome back. We're back doing podcast episodes. I had my week off, a very needed week off. Thank you all for the lovely messages that I got in my Instagram DMs saying, um, you're hoping that I'm okay, that you're upset for how upset I sounded last week. And yes, I was very upset. Um, but feeling better this week, I've had a bit of a refresh. Um, uh, ex-boyfriend that I love uh, hasn't spoken to me in about a week, which is um, a long time for us. So that's good. Um, I, um, yeah, I think that's probably over. I I think. I, th- I mean, look, I think that every time we don't talk for more than five days, but I think the episode did what I wanted it to do and I think it also separated me from a lot of things in um, Brisbane and I'm just happy that it's out there. I wish that I could have done the second episode, but unfortunately um, I was scared of getting sued. <sighs> So, yeah, no, not going to do that. Um, All right, so I asked you all to send in your narcissistic ex stories to my emails because I thought this was such a relevant topic to so many of you. I got so many DMs. I got so many emails saying, you know, this sounds exactly like my ex, sounds exactly like my ex relationship. This happened, even more wild things happened, you know, different things have happened. And I kind of just wanted to show you guys you're not alone, but also just kind of be like, what the fuck is this? I feel as though so many people, and in particular women um, that I know, have these crazy, insane stories about, let's be honest, men. And I think it comes from a place of men not being able to express their emotions entirely or not having the tools. I said to my therapist the other day that I feel as though I'm always kind of um, either soothing down angry men um, or kind of warming up um, very cold and neglectful men. So obviously my ex was very neglectful, but he was never angry. He never had a temper, um, which was something like just he never, ever, ever would do anything um, aggressive. He wouldn't even like yell, but it was very hard to get him to open up about his emotions. And I've dated other people who have this temper that just like, it just snaps. And you go from having a normal conversation to being like, you're a fucking worthless piece of shit. And in both instances, I find that I have to, I have to kind of calm them down or warm them up and find them in this middle ground where most women who are able to express their emotions already are. And I think a lot of the time when, these two people in particular or others that I know that I've dated get to this stage of extreme um, avoidance or extreme aggression. Um, In the middle, it's just that they have feelings for you and they're upset about something. And I think it's that a lot of people um, don't have, particularly men, don't have the ability to analyse their anger. So this is something as well that I um, was speaking to my therapist about and I said that I really, really don't like anger. I really think it's an unattractive um, emotion, similar to jealousy for me, where I think there's something else going on here. And I think to react in an angry way around me makes me very uncomfortable. And it makes me also think you don't have the tools to deal with your emotions. So obviously having anger itself isn't a bad thing, but I think reacting in an angry way, I hope that makes sense. So I was saying to her that I, whenever I get angry, I tend to stop, pause, and try to, like, deconstruct why 
I have this emotion. And usually it will come from embarrassment, disappointment, shame, um, frustration of something not happening right. Um, a big one for me is I get very angry and frustrated when something is going wrong and I know that I'm to blame. And it takes me a little while to recognise that. But I think I've done a pretty good job. I don't really get angry. Um, I think Georgia said last. So I, I never get angry at really anything or anyone unless I'm not feeling safe enough to express why um, I have this negative emotion. And I think that's what a lot of men, um, the way that our society has forced them to push down their emotions is how they express them or they desist themselves. They go, I, I don't want to be violent. I'm not a violent person. I'm not an angry person. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk away. I can't express this. And the thing is as well, for a lot of those, a lot of those men I find in my experience anyway, I can think of maybe five or six men that I've dated that are like this in either extreme. It ends up, it's when they have feelings to me or when they have gotten too close when I when I end up soothing them down or warming them up. It's always I'm just frustrated because I like you and I feel like we aren't progressing in this way. I'm frustrated because I have feelings for you and you're still seeing someone else. I'm frustrated because I have feelings for you and you're going away for however long, like for like for six weeks on a holiday. It's always one of those things. And it makes me wonder how do we reconcile those emotions, those positive emotions, I guess, with anger. I think that's why I find it so unattractive because I think there also is room for manipulation in that, in saying I got angry because I love you. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you get down to a point and they're saying I'm frustrated because you did this and I like you and this is me telling you for the first time that I like you. And I find like, how, how do we, I was about to say how do we get meant to understand that they're safe with us or people in relationships that have these issues that they're safe with us. But I guess that isn't our job, is it, everyone? It isn't our job. Um, and I guess it's something that I struggle with a lot um, for a very long time as well with figuring out how to make these people love me the way that I want to be loved and understand that they're safe and that I love them unconditionally and they're not going to get hurt by me. So I think the anger and the avoidance and the detachment comes from perhaps narcissism, perhaps sociopathy, perhaps um, other mental health issues. But I think the core of it, we've just got scared men. We've got scared men that can't express their emotions because of the way society has um, uh, taught them and encouraged them to show them in an angry way. Um, And I think that's disappointing. It makes me upset um, because I think if we just let men – talk of their emotions, we would have a lower suicide rate. We'd also have more functioning relationships that are healthy. I mean, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've had a healthy moment where someone said, I have feelings for you. You know, it's always when they're drunk or they're angry or they're, um, they've gone missing for a few days, which, you know, may say something more about me than them. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was very interesting how many emails I got of similar um, tones and it tends to go one of those two ways, anger or avoidance, anger or avoidance. It's, And that's kind of turns of the spectrum. So let me know in my DMs um, or on the podcast Instagram or email, the new email, which is hello at itslovepodcast.com. Um, let me know if you feel that way as well. You're always soothing people down. You're always... 
warming them up just to have normal human emotions. God, it is so frustrating. I actually want to get Danny on, um, Danny Clayton, to talk about um, anger because I called him after this therapy session and I think he and I have, as per, quite similar outlooks, but he's um, got a little bit of a different perspective than I do. Um, and I think anger is something that's really, really interesting. So email in if you have any, op- uh, any options, if you have any input with that. And um, now I'm going to read you all out some narcissistic bin days. So for those of you who don't follow me on Instagram, I do this thing called bin days. And it's when I get people to send in their craziest stories, like craziest one night stand, um, what's your biggest ick, um, craziest Tinder date. And um, usually they're pretty funny and entertaining. And I asked you all to send in emails about your ex-relationships. Obviously, they're longer than uh, a normal just little bin day. And they probably won't be very funny, to be honest, but I think it is worth talking about because we didn't get part two of Ex-Boyfriend That I Love. And I think there's a lot of space in this and I think a lot of you feel seen and understood and as though what you went through wasn't you being crazy. And also you weren't alone because I think a lot of the time when we go through these emotionally abusive relationships or difficult relationships at all in any in any aspect, we hide it from um, our friends but also from ourselves and we don't really acknowledge how much things hurt us and how much things affected us and therefore we don't understand that we're allowed to feel those negative emotions. And we are everyone. Um, also just clarifying that this isn't just for women, this is for men, everyone is in a bad relationship, um, but I just thought at the start it is a pattern that I have noticed about men when it comes to relationships with Women. All right, let's get going. All right, we're starting off with a quite fun, short one. Um, just to show you guys the the scope of what I've been sent. Here we go. Hi, Abby. So a couple of years ago when I was living in Jakarta, I dated an American Special Forces guy for a few months. Super gorgeous but from a big Republican family in Texas. First red flag. I would say so. I would I would say so. Um, just a side note here. I mean, Republican, like I understand in America um, voting is kind of like a familial thing and it's very, it's almost, um, it's almost genetic, one would say. They seem to always vote what their parents vote and it's like a sports team um, allegiance rather than being actually about uh, politics, which can be like that in Australia as well. But America seems to be one big sports game, particularly now with the upcoming election. And um, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I would not date someone who voted for Trump. And, and that's my prerogative. Some things didn't quite add up. And so I did some serious online sleuthing to see if I, my gut instinct was right. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a big um, online sleuther as well, so I'm glad you did this. About 20 minutes into my sleuthing, I found his wedding website. <laughs> so Republican. Um, with a live countdown to his wedding the following year and a big photo of him proposing to his fiance on top of a mountain in Argentina with his grandmother's ring. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. This isn't funny. This is so awful. But like, dude, why do you, what why do you have a wedding website with a live countdown if you're cheating? You're so dumb. This is the thing as well that Christabel and I always say. We're like, have some tact, dude. Like, 
Like ex-boyfriend I love had some tact. Other guys that I've dated don't have any tact. And it's like, at least if you're going to be an awful, awful human, at least be smart about it. Like you have a wedding website and you're cheating. If you're cheating, take down the website. But also don't cheat. Just don't cheat. How hard is it to not cheat? And if you love someone so much, you're proposing with your grandmother's ring. What are you doing cheating? You're engaged. You're engaged. Sorry, we continue. (sighs) I digress. Turns out he was engaged to another special forces agent who was based in Afghanistan at the time. When I thought he'd been in Bali the prior month with friends, he was sending me photos of the villa and pool and asking where he could see me again. He was actually on a romantic weekend with her. What the fuck is wrong with these people? Why go to the effort? This is my question. Why are we going to the effort? What, like, if I had a fiance that I loved enough to propose to on a mountain in Argentina, I, I wouldn't cheat on them. But if I was going to cheat on them, why would I go to all the effort of making it out like I was at like a boys weekend, the villa and everything, when you're with your partner? How risky is that? What are you doing? Wait, this is literally just people that like being naughty. I have a strong belief, and obviously I'm not a psychologist, but I reckon people that I've come across that are like this enjoy being naughty. They enjoy being naughty because they have always had to hide things from their parents. They've always been like trouble when they were little about like silly things and they enjoy being naughty. I'm not saying they were like abused, but I mean like they had very strict parents and they enjoy being naughty. Whereas like I had, I had rules in my house, but I was, I was never naughty as a kid because I never really had like, my mom wasn't strict. I just did what was like right and wrong. And mum would tell me when I was wrong, but I was never like in trouble. I think mum hit me like, spanked me once and then called my grandma crying, being like, I can't believe I did that. She was just being so naughty. <laughs> Sorry, mum. I digress. This is from people who enjoy being naughty. I strongly believe it. Let me know if you think as well, because I really believe it. And she said, I confronted him about it and it gets better. Awkwardly, next month, his brother was elected into Congress and was all over American news outlets, being retweeted by Trump. COVID Trump. And I literally couldn't escape his family. <laughs> hilariously, his fiance found out. Well, not hilariously, but I'm good. I'm glad for her. His fiance found out and got her special ops buddies in Kabul to hack his social media. Lol. Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus fucking Christ. That is a cracker to start off with. I mean, again, here's a thing. Just be smarter about it, dude. Why are you cheating? Why are you with someone you want to cheat on so much? Like, you want to cheat them that badly that you're, like, creating a whole other life? What are you doing, dude? Go to therapy. Go to fucking therapy. This is why, as well, I have an issue with therapy being stigmatized because therapy also doesn't just help you if you've been hurt. It helps you if you're hurting others as well. Like, I go to therapy as well, and I regularly talk in therapy about what I'm doing to people and if I'm having a fight with someone or if I'm having, you know, issues and I think someone's thinking something, my therapist will let me think of it in a different way and I won't hurt that person anymore. This is so frustrating. Also, of course, they were Republican. Jesus Christ. Retreated by Trump. Speaking of Trump having coronavirus, what? Wonder if, um, what's going to happen with that? All right, cool. The next one, that was a fucking good one. Send me more like that. It's so funny. All right, so this one's a bit more serious and it's a bit longer, but I think it's really interesting and I think as well it has a lot of points that I want to discuss and kind of de- deconstruct and dissect um, because I think it's relatable. All right, let's do it. 
Okay, Abby. So this is a long cheating slash breakup story, but I'll try to keep it brief. Been waiting for a day to out this man and grab a bin bag because he is trash. To preface, my ex wasn't exactly the best guy. Throughout our two and a half year relationship, he rode off two cars, lost his license to drink driving on my birthday, then lost it again on the exact same day a year later. Wait, what? Why is he doing? Why is what? Wait, what? There must be some cosmic shit there with your birthday being a bad day for him because what? He lost it on your birthday two years in a row. What the fuck? Sorry, I didn't read this one at first and she read this. He was constantly breaking surfboards and iPhones, got multiple parking and speeding tickets, lost a job or two, got fines from police for things like not paying his train fare, failed his P-test three plus times, never finished his apprenticeship. Should take four years and he's eight years in right now. He would lie to me to days off work, go surfing, or lie to me, say he was home in bed but actually out partying with mates and had multiple accusations coming on to or kissing other girls whilst out. Already trash. Yeah, babe. So here's the thing. This this first um, paragraph that is one of I think like eight paragraphs this is when we leave it's when we leave not because I don't think that you know if someone fucks up and loses their license or you know fails their P's test like that's not why you should leave those material things isn't why you should leave to be with someone it's because I'm assuming you aren't doing all these things so you're at different levels of life you're at different stages of life you need someone who's going to be your equal and going to bring you up and make you be your best self and someone that you admire and that you think is uh, a good person and is a person who um, contributes to society as much as you do. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I understand we're, we're in love. I mean, after you've all heard what I stayed around for, plus there was another half, whole episode about it, I understand that, like, pot, kettle. But... I just feel like something like that is just so like, oh God, you're, you've just, you're just not at the same space. You're not mature enough to be in a relationship. You, there are so many things here. All right, we'll continue. Now to the breakup cheating story. We were away for a couple of days in Wollong- in Wollongong for a two-day music festival. I drove down just two and a half hours from where I live because he'd been drinking. The first night and the following day were great. We had the best time. The second day, two of our friends arrived who were coming to the festival with us. Throughout the day at the music festival, he wasn't with us much. He was with his guy friends, which I'm fine with, and my other friends are there as well, so I'm with them. It gets to about 5.30pm and I'm barely seeing him, so I go to find him. When I do discover him, he's off his head on drugs, the worst I'd have ever seen him in. He knows I don't like him doing drugs because his behaviour previously mentioned above. Fair. Fair. As well, just pause, side note, interjection as per. Um, I think when it comes to telling people whether or not they can do drugs or... Not telling people, asking people to not do drugs or drink or do certain things like that, it's important to recognize when you're telling someone to not do something because you don't do it and you don't like it or because you're worried for them and I think a lot I see this a lot with people saying I let I don't let my boyfriend do drugs I don't let my boyfriend drink and I think like unless there's like some behavior which is this person does have previously of damaging themselves or you when they do these things um I think that's really fair and also as someone's partner you shouldn't have the burden of being their barrier um, between something that's going to damage them and other people. I think you should say, I think you should go to therapy to figure out why you rely on drugs so heavily and get them into therapy. And then if they don't want to go into therapy again, leave them, like dump their ass. Like if someone isn't willing to show up 
for themselves emotionally and mentally, for their own mental health and for their own physical health, then they're not going to be willing to show up for you. Perhaps not for lack of trying, but for where they are in their lives. And it sounds like this person is already on a different level than you are. All right, we continue. He did the drugs anyway, and he was avoiding me that day because of it. We have a small argument. I tell him I'm disappointed and sick of his behavior. Fair. I ask him to spend the rest of the night with my friends. We go to them. They're together for about 20 minutes before I need to go to the toilet. I tell him to stay where he is. And when I return, he has run away. So she went to the bathroom. And then when she came back, he's run away. <laughs> no, dude. Ah, so irritating. Oh, my God. I want to stay single for the rest of my life. Jesus fucking Christ. All right, we go. I couldn't find him at the music festival after that, searched all night, and then had to go home. Fast forward to the next morning, he never came home. I begin getting worried and call his friends to find out where he went. One of them tells me he was with a girl called Brooke, who I then messaged on Instagram to ask if she had seen my boyfriend. Since that night, I was worried that he didn't come home. Fair. It's 10 a.m., and we have to check out of the accommodation. I finally get a call from a random number. It's him. He sat at a local's house near the festival and asked me to come pick him up. His phone was dead. I pick him up and drive us the two and a half hours home because he's too scat from the night before. I don't say a word the entire ride home. We get back to his and we effectively break up. I asked if he cheated and he said no. He asked me to move my car so he can go for a surf. So I do. Also, you dickhead. You've just broken up and he's gone go for, go for a surf, babe. Like, you are an absolute piece of shit. Oh, my God, the anger that I'm feeling. I need to stop projecting. I need to stop projecting. Deep breath. I'm then crying to his mum and packing up my things when Brooke replies. She asks me to call and then she says, I believe we've both been fucked over here. She tells me everything. Says he lied and said we broke up a couple of days earlier. Says she urged him to stay with his friends instead of her because it was still fresh and he resisted. He wanted to stay with her. They had sex all night, apparently. She tells me she didn't know about me until I had picked him up from her house. Great. I then sent a message to my ex saying, I've spoken to Brooke. We need to talk. He ignores me. I continue to pack up my things in his room Next minute, I see he's getting messages on his iPad from Brooke. It's always the iPad. It's always the iPad. Always. Uh, ah, or like the MacBook or something. I read them. He's telling her, my crazy ex is probably trying to contact you. Just want to tell you we actually broke up that day, etc., etc. And he has the audacity to tell her, I think you're a really awesome chick. We had a great connection. I hope this hasn't ruined my chances with you. And I hope you're not too tired with the limited sleep we got. Wink face. Ick. Ick indeed. Ick indeed. That is fucked. Um, this is the thing as well. They're always, there's always this thing of my ex is crazy. My ex is crazy. And I think when you're, if you're Brooke, you want to believe it. You want to think this person who I've had this amazing instantaneous spark of a connection with, um, isn't doing the wrong thing. And he just got a crazy ex and she was so in love with him that she's desperately trying to hold on to him. And it's because he's so great. So I've got a good one. I think that's the core of the thinking when it comes to this. I think a lot of people are quick to say, oh, she's so stupid. The ex told her. Like I, as you know, I, um, you know, had called my um, ex-boyfriend's new girl that he's seeing. And I was like, oh, watch out. Um, and, you know, you want to believe that they're just a really good person and that everyone wants to be with them. And that this person's just like a, um, a scorned woman, you know. 
nothing scarier than a scorned woman. And it's like, no, this person's probably just fucking up. Like, I don't think I've ever had a crazy ex, quote unquote, contact someone and be like, Abby fucked me when I didn't. You know, no one makes this shit up. No one no one makes these things up. And if someone is so angry, why are they so angry? No one gets angry just from a normal breakup, right? As we continue. Fast forward two days. I've only gotten one message from him saying he needs space. Okay, dude, we're broken up. So I call him on the second day. He hangs up on me. So my best friend drives me to his house and I walk into the room. The look on his face was priceless. I had my phone on silent, calling my best friend the whole time. I've done that. Um, she sat in the car, listened to everything. I've done that. I've, I've called a friend and um, during during um, interactions with someone. <laughs> I also record conversations really regularly. So uh, just because I'm like, I don't know, something, something could go weird here. Um, I proceed to calmly tear him to shreds, saying things like, how dare you treat me like this when I've defended you to everyone for years, blah, blah, blah. I forced him to transfer the money he owed me. I actually paid for the whole festival, including accommodation, his clothes, everything. And now later, I leave. This man looks defeated. I feel resolved. Great, cool, tick. Then, two months later, he's in a relationship with Brooke. I feel sorry for her. He clearly had told her the same lies and deceit they did to me for the past two and a half years. I found out a few weeks later he cheated on her the day he asked her out. Hope you enjoy this story of my trash ex-boyfriend, lol. It certainly is entertaining even for myself now. I've grown so much as a person and an individual and love who I am today. I wouldn't be me without this awful experience. I certainly am much better off without this walking red flag of a human being. Um, Yeah, so... That was a nice little ending. It is, you know, this is what's hard as well. Um, these people don't change without serious therapy. Um, you know, the people that I've dated that are like this, vague, um, do the same behavior over and over again with different people and are known to do the, the exact same behavior over and over again. And I think the thing that's hard is when you hear stories about somebody who is doing who's doing these awful things or has done these awful things to their ex partner or even to friends or and they're treating you well, you're still in the love bombing phase or you um aren't privy to that information yet of what they've been doing, um, then you wanna believe that you're special. And I guess it's inherent for us to be optimistic and also to be a little bit like egotistical and think well you know those other girls he's told me they were crazy he's told me they weren't um they weren't uh, as dedicated to the relationship they were they they cheated on him first you know which could be true um but there's still that little thing inside you being like i'm special these other people weren't as good as me they weren't as good for him as me and i think that also feeds into why we stay with these people. I think it's kind of this um, balance of you like them a lot and they excite you, but the fact that you feel as though they've been a bad person to other people, while it isn't a good thing, you think, well, I'm special enough and they've changed for me, right? So you're more committed and more attached to the person and the relationship because part of your self-worth is hinged on the relationship. So you think that you're special because they treated others badly and you go, well, he's treating me very bad very well sorry he treated me very well and that's because I'm special therefore my worth is attached to this relationship and if this ends 
I am going to feel like I was one of the other ones. And also, I guess you think I'm going to be spoken about the way that his exes is spoken about as well. All right, let's do some quick fire ones because you have a lot of little short messages that I'm just like, what the fuck? All right, first one. I met a guy on Bumble. We went on a few dates. Things were progressing nicely and seemed we were on the same page about a lot of things. After two months, we agreed to be exclusive. Good amount of time. I think two months is a great amount of time to be exclusive. I think it's a little bit hasty to get into things um, after a week or so. I'm speaking from experience. I think almost every person that I've dated after like a week, I'm like, I love this man. He is the only one for me. Um, and I think that's because I am anxious attachment. Um, and also because I, when I, f- I, I think I like people very rarely, which may seem like crazy because like, you know, I know people think that I like everyone that I meet. But the thing is everyone that I like, I continue to see and I start to date them. Does that make sense? Like I'm always in something because when I meet someone, I'm like, yep, we're together. And then I'm like, I get like tunnel vision about it. Um, but like they've been trying not to do that through therapy. I've been trying to like take things slowly and like not expect anything from anything. And it's going, it's going okay. So two months, good amount of time. Fast forward 10 months and it turns out he'd been hiding a secret family the entire time, including a seven-year relationship and a three-year-old son. That poor fucking family. I've heard so many stories about people that I personally know who have slept with people with um, that are married with kids under the age of like five and the wife is posting on social media being like, love my life, da, da, da. And it's like, oh, my God, like he's cheating on you with like women 15 years younger than you. It's, it's fucking horrendous. This man claimed he didn't use social media, which was the first red flag, but this guy had to seat down to a fine art fair. He made up a dead twin brother, passed his actual kid off as his nephew and played the crazy ex card when the baby mama finally surfaced, making up a wild story about not believing his child was his own. Some digging on social media confirmed he, in fact, was very actively involved as the father and the partner and everything I've been fed was utter lies. Fancying wasting months of someone's life like that, letting them believe you actually had a future together. Beware, ladies, he's still on Bumble. (gasps) He's still on Bumble. Oh my god. Okay, so yes, the social media thing is a huge red flag. I think we I think we um all agreed on that after last time. I mean, some people do just not like social media. I think that's I think that's fine, you know. Like I actually don't like the amount that I rely on social media um and use it. So if you don't like social media, I'm like fair. If you're like you're like a hippie, like no, like, you know, I just like to like go and live in my van and stuff. Like that's like hot. And I'm like, yes, be, be one with the earth daddy. Um, but I feel like when they're like, if they're like a real estate agent or like an investment banker and they're like, yeah, I don't use social media. It's like, ah, but, 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 but why? Because, um, if you're an industry that, uh, is a little bit, um, egotistical, such as real estate, where your whole job is to have a personality. Um, why aren't you on social media? What, what's going on there? Either you are planning to hide something, you're hiding something, or uh, um, oh, you're boring. 
I mean, look, I'm not. I mean, that's a definite look. That was a bit of a. That was a bit of an umbrella. Um, that's a bit of a reach for me to say that everyone on social media is hiding something. But you get my point. I think if you're like inherently like not a very like technological person and you're working not like quite mainstream, you know, I'm like, oh, hot, love it. But if you're like an agent and you just don't have social media, it's a bit bizarre. Even if you don't have it to like, I don't know, post photos of things you like doing. Um, also is this, is this a, a warning sign to anyone who on their Bumble has a photo of them with a kid and it always says, not my kid, haha, just my nephew or not just my niece. Is this, do we, do we look out for this? Do we investigate any person now who has a photo on their Instagram or on their dating profile saying, not my kid, haha. Because it could be the kid. It could be the kid. All right, next one. All right, this may be short and sweet. I have some rubbish for Bintay, my absolute trash narcissistic ex-boyfriend who I still love. Grr, grr. My ex slept with my gay best friend, who was also his roommate, several times. They both lied about to me over a period of two years. Okay, first of all, that is fucking awful because that is a double betrayal. That is your, like, best friend who is who's gay, who you would, like, you would never even think they would betray you like that. Um, and he, they're living together. They're living together and sleep. I can never do that. I can never sleep with someone that I'm living with because I would fall in love with them. I would fall in love with my roommate. Um, so that's interesting. So he's bi. I mean, cool. So your ex-boyfriend's bi. Then it goes on to say he also slept with another girl in our group who wasn't even straight. So your group, I know if I know if we're not like coming out or as like I, I don't know what's happening. Like, what is what is with what is with this ex boyfriend, and like sleeping with? What's going on here? <laughs> so he slept with your gay best friend, and then he slept with another girl in a group who isn't even straight. So he like had sex with someone who was who's lesbian. What is happening? What is the power of this man? How is he getting lesbians to sleep with him? Men are so unappealing. Like, like I ah. Uh, Ah, like maybe she's bi. Maybe she's just bi and, and didn't realize. But Jesus fucking Christ. Like how, she's already on the right path of not dating men and she's fucking this dickhead. Um, he was also seeing two out of three of his ex-girlfriends while we were together and told me to stop being jealous slash crazy whenever I would start to get suspicious or one of them would reach out to me and tell me they were seeing each other again. What do you mean he would tell you to stop being crazy when they would tell you? <laughs> No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm like, I mean, I'm come on, babe. Like she, t- they, they told you they were seeing each other again. Do they come with receipts? They come with evidence? Like, what? Like what the fuck? So your your his girlfriends he was dating, his ex girlfriends he was dating again would tell you we're seeing each other again, and you would just not like. You need to email me and tell me what you did because I, I understand how you just you went you're crazy and you went okay. I mean I understand the manipulation obviously I understand the deceit but I want to know what how he got you around that because the thing is these people that do this are very smart and very good at manipulating so I'm not surprised you stayed with him but I'm wondering like he would just say stop being crazy even though you had like messages or screenshots or videos or whatever like whenever I tell someone that like they're like 
if I find out they have a girlfriend, I like tell them things. I come with receipts. I come with screen recordings. So screenshots can be edited. So um, when I found out, I blocked him for two months because I was upset and he told me that I was a liar and never cared about him and that I was one who treated him badly. Love that for me. Oh, babe, love that for you. When the, the old gaslighting. I remember one ex-boyfriend that I love um, and I we didn't talk after – this would have been in the last episode, but I'm just going to tell you now. So we didn't talk after – um, he goes to me, but my grandma, my daddy goes to me. Um, and I found out like too excited. He had a new girlfriend, whatever. Um, and we didn't talk for about four months. And then he messaged me, uh, when I was in Sydney and I had just, I, this is the first session I had with my therapist where I hadn't spoken about him at all. Like I was like, Oh my God, I'm so proud of myself. Like I, I finally have like, I don't struggle with on the daily because it's four months out talking. It literally was so freeing and I'm so excited to get back to that that space of not having spoken to him for four, maybe five, maybe a year. Maybe we haven't talked to him for a year. That'd be crazy. Um, But he messaged me and he was like, hey, I think we need to talk. And I thought it would be an apology for ghosting me after my grandmother died or, you know, it would be something, um, you know, nice. Uh, But no. So he called me and he was like, I just – Long short of it was he, you know, he just wanted to remind me that um, I was actually partly to blame for our relationship, and I I enabled it. I enabled the 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 toxic um, nature of it, um, which I guess I did. But I was also stuck in this narcissistic thing, um, and that he just wanted to let me know that he's figured that out. And it, I was like, you're not going to apologize for for saying you know, for leaving me when my grandma died. Like my grandma, I still, I cry my, my grandma every day still. Like my grandma was so important to me um, as most grandmas are. Um, and he like, he left, when my grandma died, he was supposed to come over that day to like cook me dinner. Um, but the next day, cause he was away for work and he just didn't. And I was like, why aren't you calling to apologize for that? And he was like, I don't really think about it to be honest. And I was like, well, I do. Like, I associate you now my grandmother's death. So um, it's very funny when they turn it on you and say you're the one that treated me badly. Sorry, that was a tangent, but I guess you guys do want to know more about ex-boyfriend that I love. So that's our little thing that he did. That was the most recent painful thing that he did. All right, I'm just going to have a little cry, then I'll come back in a bit. <laughs> All right, we're back. We had a little glass of water, had a little cry. Um not about my ex-boyfriend, just to clarify, about just about grandma. You know, love her, miss her. Anyway, let's continue. All right, the next one. I have a pretty crazy ex story. It changed my life in good ways and in bad. I'm still recovering from it and we've been completely separated for three years now. I nearly committed suicide over this guy. I thought he was my everything. He drained me of everything good in my body and my mind and I've been Lexapro for nearly four years which has helped me deal a lot. And without it, I don't think I'd be strong enough to get through the days and nights. He put me in $20,000 of debt that I'm finally free of in April, 2021. Yay. Oh my God. Yes. Well done. And I've seen countless therapists to heal too. I'll try to compile the four years I was with him. The last two years was on and off in a short paragraph. We met at a friend's charity boxing match and we were inseparable. And from then on, not too long into the relationship, I found out he was a drug dealer slash cook and also a drug taker. Oh God. 
It got progressively worse as time went on and he would disappear for three days straight, turned his phone off and started happening on the regular. He tried to say he was making a better life for us. I saw some pretty crazy things. I got too consumed to this world of drugs. He would road trip and take drugs. He'd sell big amounts up and down the coast. Oh my God. He then got greedy and started using his supply when he owed people money. And it just got worse and worse. And little did I know he started using ice. Oh God. Such an awful drug. Um, we had just moved into a new place, which he trashed. He'd be out smoking every night and would come home days later and flip me out of bed, paranoid that I was cheating on him. This happened every day for at least a good year. He'd also make me stay up with him looking out the window to see if the cops were coming. I once sat out the window from midnight until 6am as I was afraid if I looked away he would lose his mind again, which happened often. Oh, my God. This is so awful because this person is obviously an addict and um, the the partner, um, I don't know if you were taking ice as well, but it's so difficult. It's, it's like you want to just be able to save them and I feel like you would feel a sense of responsibility for this person as well to stay. Um, okay, it continues. I was stuck. I wanted to help him, but in doing so, I was harming myself. He would gaslight me and put me down, and I just kept coming back because I thought this was love and I was there to help him. This is the thing as well. Like, I think when it's your first love, is like when you're younger, I think a lot of young people get into these relationships, maybe not even because they're, like, naive. I think it's because it's your first experience of being in a relationship and you think this is just what people go through. There's a lot of... um rhetoric around relationships being hard, relationships are about sacrifice, relationships um, require a compromise. And that is absolutely true. But I think when you're in a first relationship and your first relationship is like this, you think that this is just compromise. You think that this is just how hard things have to be to be in love and you think that love should trump, should trump, sorry, um, everything else and that in fact the harder you work for your love the more valuable it is and this is the trick as well of these relationships that are abusive or difficult or toxic or whatever you want to call them is that there seems to be more value for something you've you've worked for right so yeah fuck all right it continues one day he just up and vanished and blocked me from everything and left me to get the pieces. I'm usually 65 kilos and I dropped to 51. I had an eating disorder, which I still suffer from on and off again today. I was a bright, bubbly, friendly girl with lots of friends. I was a hermit next and was afraid to leave the house. I remember when I got into Coles to grab a few things, it felt like a massive achievement. I think it's also important to note that during our relationship, he started to form a fetish over making me feel pathetic and weak towards him and our sex life changed and turned into this dark BDSM lifestyle. And I hated it, but I do it in the hopes that he'd love me and change back the person he was when I first met him. That's interesting as well. I think this BDSM thing is really um, interesting. I obviously am very uh, sex positive and, uh, the BSM community, great, amazing. I think that when it's done right, it probably has more um, uh, parameters for consent than uh, vanilla sex sometimes. I mean, I've um, been 
I've been, I can't seem to say it. <laughs> um, I've been talking to a um, a dom online like for a little while now, and um, the the levels of consent that are discussed, even just like in our phone calls and our FaceTimes, like are um, it's re- it's really high. And it's like, what do you actually enjoy? What can you let me push your limits to? You know, when I think BDSM starts in an already toxic relationship, or we start to get have like rough sex in an already toxic relationship, that's when lines can be blurred. I mean, um, I obviously have been left with bruises after having sex. I mean, not obviously. Why would, why would I say obviously? So you guys, what? No. I have been left with bruises multiple times after sex. Um, and I was talking to my therapist about the other day and, you know, I was like, when that happens, like, like, I don't like I didn't in the moment it, it was consensual, but she said you know the way you determine if you're upset by this like if you sorry if you what well, if you're upset you're upset but if you feel as though someone's done something wrong is when you consented to the to the act say if it was like an ass slap and you already have context existing so you've already been slapped in the ass before other person and they've done like two slaps at like a medium aggression. But then this, and you go slap my ass, right? You've considered then to the previous context. You've considered to what has already happened in the past. If someone then grabs you, pins you down and like slaps your ass over and over and over again as hard as they can with like a whip or a belt or and bruises you and leaves you mud. Yes, you consented to the initial behavior, but you consented to the act that came with context of the previous experiences. Um, so I think that's important to note in BDSM. I have an opinion on it. I, I, that's, I think that was a great way my therapist explained it to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think BDSM is a tricky one because if it isn't done right, it does – it's risky. It's risky mentally and uh, emotionally. You need a lot of aftercare as well. You need to – it can be amazing when it's done correctly. I, I think it's a great community. I think the kink community is a great community to be part of and I am obviously pro all kinks that aren't, like – abusing someone essentially. Um, but BSM isn't that. And I think this probably was just a further way for them to express how they felt and be able to maybe use it as an excuse. Um, I think sometimes people who don't understand the BDSM um, structures, a lot of guys anyway, like I'm into BDSM and I'm like, are you or do you just like hitting women? Like, are you genuinely into BDSM? Can you explain to me why you are? Do you understand that the role of a sub is to kind of be pleasured and and be the focal point of the experience? It isn't about you just coming in and and punching me. Like that's not what we're into or choking me out. Like that's not BDSM. Um, and it, this ends in a lovely note. I'm finally in a healthy relationship now and I even had a baby with my new man and my life is a thousand times better. Unfortunately, my ex still tries to contact me, says he misses me and all this crap, but I'm in a better place and I've learned so much from this experience. I just ignore him now. So different to a few years back when he consumed my entire life. The sad thing is, though, I've brought some of this baggage onto my new relationship and I hate my ex for that. I'm just so lucky that my new partner is absolutely amazing and helps me day by day. That's hard as well. I have so much fucking baggage from my ex and from my dad leaving as well when I was born. Um, and from other relationships that I've had, I've had bad relationships before. I had one bad relationship before I was with ex-boyfriend that I love. And then I've kind of dated 
you know, dated people who were shit, not being in relationships with, but like being like seeing people who were shit. And all that baggage compounds. And the issue as well is when you've been in an abusive relationship, um, whatever kind it is, if you are able to get out of that cycle with that specific person, which is very difficult in itself, very difficult in itself, if you're able to get out of that, then you tend to be in a very vulnerable position to start and go into a different abusive relationship because your self-worth is still on the floor. Um, and if you don't, which this person has, which is amazing, they've got a baby with a new person who's healthy and makes them happy, which I'm so excited about. Um, and I'm sure that will give you a lot of you hope as well. It gives me hope when I read things like this. Um, but they still have baggage. They still have insecurities. They still have a sense of worthlessness. They still have, you know, that sense of maybe fear of it all imploding or someone leaving them. I don't know what their fears are, but it's very hard to completely disassociate from what happened to you. It is trauma. It's continued sustained trauma um, over however long your, your relationship went for. And even beyond, because when you break up with someone, that isn't when the pain ends. That isn't when the toxicity ends unless, you know, you cut off and then you don't talk again ever again. But often that isn't the case with these people. They might leave you for a few months, come back and forth. I love you. I miss you. Or even when you are cut off entirely for no reason, you still are dealing with the abandonment. So I think what I'm trying to say here is be kind to yourself when you're leaving these relationships. Christabel um, says to me that she's concerned that where I'm my level of what is good in a relationship is so low because of how I've been treated in my past relationships that she's like, I just get concerned that you think that normal behavior is like Prince Charming energy. Like she's like, you like, she's, she's worried about me getting into something new now, which I'm, you know, not um, because she's like you, um, you know, your standards are so low when it comes to how you've been treated because of what you've been through. And it's true. So I think when it comes to coming out of these relationships, we need to acknowledge that, um, be vigilant, but also not have complete walls up and turn away anyone who is good for us. I think the best thing to do is to remain single for a little while. Um, yeah, actually I did have someone ask me, I might go into this a bit deeper. I had someone ask me on my Instagram how to deal with a breakup between, you know, um, someone like, um, ex-boyfriend that I love whatever gender they may be. And I I think my biggest piece of advice is to try and cut them off, try and cut them off on your own terms. Uh, my therapist a couple of weeks ago told me to cut off ex-boyfriend that I love and I said, well, I, I, I can't because I, I'd, have to, I'd have to tell him and, um, you know, he hasn't answered my calls in two days. That's why I can't tell him. And she was like, why do you have to tell him? And I was like, well, because I can't just leave him. I can't just not talk to him suddenly. He wouldn't know what happened. And she was like, but he would know what happened though. He he knows what he's been doing for four years. And I was like, no, she, but he, he does know. So that's step one, cut them off and don't feel like you need closure from them because you're never going to get it. What you're going to get is sustained injury. You're going to get, um, possibly pull back in that cycle. And if you aren't pulled back in by sweet nothings, you're going to probably get verbally um, abused or spoken down to because this is the whole thing, right? They they have this facade of being better than you. So either 
they can manipulate you back to the situation or they can make you feel like crap. They can make you feel like absolute shit. So that's step one, block them out. Step two is it genuinely find time in yourself um, where you feel genuine happiness being alone. And this is very, very difficult. I mean, I was in this place after about four months of um, not seeing ex-boyfriend that I love. I was in that place until he called me again. And then I, I still kind of am there. Like he didn't pull me back in. Like we didn't start dating again or anything. I haven't even seen him. But I had like a little step back, a couple steps back. But there was a point there when I hadn't spoken to him in like three months and I was super single. Like I hadn't had sex in two months or something. And um, I was like talking to people and like flirting with the barista across the road, you know, like, you know, like I had a little bit of like something, something, but I didn't want and I still don't want anyone in my sphere. And that isn't because I am saying, oh, man, is shit, fuck this. No, no, no. I just want to really work on myself. And then I think once I do that work, well, I know once I do that work and I find what I want out of myself, then I can try to find someone that will fulfill me externally. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to be my best self so that I can know what I want in a partner and recognize positive and negative aspects of relationships early on and recognize when I love someone for the person that they are, not because of how they make me feel. Um, And I think that this is something that a lot of us do as well. When someone treats you like shit, you become addicted to it. You become invested and you become reliant on that person for validation and for uh, happiness. And it's like I used to describe to my friends, like it felt like I was getting drip-fed love. And then I was dying of thirst in the desert and someone had a little pipit of water and was just dropping it into my mouth every couple of days and it was sustaining me and it made the water feel so, so good. But then I had, you know, periods of time where it was very painful. So when you're given little bits of positive reinforcement in between, as breaks in between the negative parts, you become super reliant on that person and you become super reliant on how they make you feel. And you need to sit back and think, what do I actually like about this person? When I first was dating my ex, I was like, I love this, 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 this about him. It makes me laugh it along so well. But in fact, when I look at us now, I've outgrown him. Um, and he says the same thing. He says, you've, you've outgrown me. Um, once he even said he's scared that one day he's going to wake up and not know me because I'm, I'm growing so at such an exponential rate. Thank you. I am. Um, but... When you look at this person, you need to think, like, what qualities do I love about this person? Do they make me want to be a better person? Not in relation to making you feel like shit or worthless, but does this person inspire me? Do I admire them? Do I think they are adding to who I am? Are they on the same path as I am, running parallel to me, wanting to get to the same destination? Are we on the same path? Do I think they're intelligent? When I Am I proud to introduce this person to my friends? Am I proud to be associated with this person? And if you don't think you can answer those questions, perhaps reevaluate why you're with them. Is it because you were in an addictive cycle and you're getting drip-fed things? And that might make it easier as well to move on because you realise that it isn't this person, it's the situation in which they've built. Um I've been told before that someone built an emotional prison for me. And that's, I think, is a very, very apt way of describing these things is 
you are stuck and you can't get out and it's your own emotions have created this prison and you feel as though you need the key from that person to be break free. But actually, bitches, it's yourself. You've created it yourself and you can get out of it yourself with some serious self-reflection. Um, I think obviously, okay, so cut them off, evaluate who they are as a person, go to therapy. As I always say, please, please, please go to therapy. Even if it's for one session, just one session, go to therapy. Two, se- I mean, I go once a week, um, but just go even a little bit, please. And finally, I think you have to realise that this is one person. I remember I said to Simon, I'm not sure if you guys have heard that episode, but I um, said to Simon, my dear angel friend, Simon Hancock, I was like crying to him because I was talking to two guys and I was like, this person's great because of this, but this is why they're not good. And this person's great because of this and this is why they're not good and it was like I was like I just don't know who I'm gonna be with and he was like this isn't the bachelorette finale there are more people in the world than these two people why are you so upset and while that maybe seem obvious to people listening I was like yeah like I don't have to choose one of these people and similar to your current ex you're trying to get over there are more people in the world that are better for you breakups happen all the time and that doesn't negate their the pain they can cause and how disastrous they are and how they can really, really affect your mental health. I mean, it's awful, but there are more people in the world. And I think at the end of the day, we want to be with someone who wants to be with us. There's no point trying to force someone into something. In the words of Miss Higgins, a triangle trying to squeeze through a circle. We don't want that. We don't want someone to squeeze me so I'd fit. You know what I mean? We want to just have an easy relationship that has work and has dedication and has compromise and, you know, all the things that are great foundations, but we don't want to value our relationship on how much pain we've been through, like I said before. All right. Well, that's it from me today, everyone. Um, I've got a few exciting episodes coming up. Now, uh, we have a new website. It's called itslotpodcast.com and the new email, sending questions, comments, um, suggestions, your Q and A's, whatever, whatever, is hello at itslotpodcast.com. Very exciting. All right, guys, thank you so much. Love you all. Mwah.